And we're back to Above the Pitch, bringing you Game Week 7. One of the matches we've been waiting for, and it did not let us down. A clash of titans, red versus blue, the two former champions. We're going to leave that one for last, though, because that's going to be a great topic to talk about. First, we're going to talk about United and how they played. Where's Waldo? Uh, Ronaldo. Yeah, Sir Alex Ferguson was uh, looking for him after the game as well. Uh, he was talking to Khabib. He's like, I didn't see him all game. And uh, someone had to break the news to him that he was left on the bench. Unbelievable. Apparently, he's benchable. Sounds like it. it. Sounds like the only statement. I think that's why he came, to sit on the bench, right? Yeah, he, he was really upset about that. He was mumbling something in Portuguese after the game. Yeah, so Ole team change before international break. Not a good move, honestly, because, you know, when there's an international break, the players get to rest more. They have a little bit more time in between games. And you want to kind of see a place where your team's going to be when you come back. Like, especially if you don't have any injuries, you play your starting lineup to make sure they're fresh, their ideas are fresh, they know what they're doing on the field. But he decides to play the players that need redemption or that need game time, that haven't played. And it's a home game. We haven't won a game, I feel like, in four games. I don't even know. It just feels like forever. We'll keep it a home game-wise, forget it. I don't even know the last time we won a home game. And uh, we wind up tying to Everton, a game where we should have lost. Davies, at the end of the game, he has the opportunity to just completely finish the game, and instead he passes the ball and... Makes it offside. It's the biggest blunder of all time. Yeah, it's offside. Yeah, I mean, starting off even with looking at the lineup, again, I was even thinking to myself, the McFred. The McFred combo, you're already talking about that necessarily. You're not a fan. United fans in general are not a fan. What really got me was I was just shocked about the top three. Putting in Martial, putting in Cavani. You know, this is before I watched the game, obviously. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting selection. Keeping out Sancho, keeping out Ronaldo, keeping Greenwood in after we just talked about how he doesn't know how to pass the ball from last game. Very interesting selection of a group of 11. Yeah, so Sancho is always going to get the second half. Because, obviously, Martial hasn't played a full 90 minutes and who knows how long. Obviously, he's vindicated because Martial does score a goal. And he's playing off the wing. And Cavani needed to start because of his hustle in the Champions League game. And he's like, I, you know, I got to start. You remember the main reasons that you won the last game against Villarreal in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he's a people pleaser. You know, he manages his players. But, he obviously, everybody's going to get a little upset because it's such a big team with a lot of big names. Even Pogba was on the bench, you know? Yeah, and he didn't even get to see the pitch till the 70th minute. Right, and uh, the thing is, like, when Bruno Fernandes was first signed in, what was it, 2021, 2020? I can't even remember. This thing was 2020. And uh, we played with Matic, Bruno, and Pogba, and we went on this, I think it was like a 16-game win streak. And we started to transform a little bit, and we fell into a dip, and we moved it to... McTominay and Fred, and, you know, obviously we unbeaten away for a very long time, which is a good stat, but he likes the security of it, like we said last podcast, but when you're playing against an Everton team, Everton team that is missing Richarlison, they're missing Calvert-Lewin, no more James, you know, their only sense of attacking forward is Damari Gray and Andrews Townsend. There's a lot of changes in that team. They're, they were starting Solomon Rondon. Yeah. They who was were, injured. Who was injured. And yeah. they were starting Gordon. You know who Gordon is? The center back. No, no. I don't know. Oh. He would play left mid. I have oh, no idea. No idea then. That's the whole point. I don't think, oh, Godfrey is their center back, right? Yeah, Godfrey, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't I didn't even know. And they go into that game thinking that they need security with McTominay and Fred, which is just absurd. Like you should be there to all out attack. Defending doesn't win you um games in the Premier League. Like the Mourinho way is dead because players aren't afraid to attack teams anymore. Coaches aren't afraid to attack teams anymore. Um, the, the game's faster. Defenders are, are way slower than attackers now. The ball moves quicker. The pitch is wetter. It's not how it works anymore. And people want to say, like, there's no fear factor when you go to play United now. You know, back in the day, like I said, they, teams would always be afraid to play against them. And they'd be low blocking the entire time, 10 people in the back. They wouldn't even think about pressing forward unless it was like a long ball. No team is scared of any team anymore. Like, you look at it, 
Like, the people are saying Man United lost Fear Factor. People aren't scared to attack Man City. People aren't scared to attack Liverpool. Look at Brentford. Yeah, like, Brentford, Liverpool. Just all, these, that up. all these new teams are not scared. It's not a thing anymore. There's no more easy points. No more. And congrats to Rafa Benitez because he did an amazing job with that team. You know, tactical-wise, setting it up. They played really, really well, and they beat us on the counterattack. Um, Fred fell asleep. It was his fault for the goal. Again, every time he's going to make a mistake, there's going to be more and more pressure on him. Uh, Luke Shaw was out of position a little bit too. But, you know, it mainly comes to Fred because two the two CDMs got split. Like, through the, the ball got cut between them. And, 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 and Fred got, he yeah. got bodied by Demari Gray, who's yeah. not even a big guy. Right. And right. then it caused to have a 4v2. Four, four right. And I was like, whoa. And 4v2 the wrong way. Right. <laughs> so yeah. It was only Gray and Ducure, and they still made a and play. They still made a play because they were just so open and out of position. And that can't happen. When you're looking for more security, you have to be more stable. And the individualism still up top is a problem, and it's not going to change. Like I think, besides for Komen, Ole probably has the hardest managerial job of a coach right now, pressure wise. Because you go into this season and you're like, okay, I'm, we're going to get Jane Sancho in. Like, you got to think about it. You're going to get Jane Sancho in. You kind of know what your attack's going to look like at the beginning of the year. You're obviously going to have, you know, some competition because there's a lot of competition in that team. Now Greenwood starts off the season amazing, right? Scoring every single game. Who am I going to put in? You know, we just bought $80 million, Jane Sancho. He's not going to start because Greenwood's scoring all these goals. Obviously, he need to get situated in the team. All right, let's formulate a plan. Let's go to it. Two days before the transfer window closes, Ronaldo's for sale. Now you have Ronaldo. You're gonna how? I can't even fathom being in Ole's position and being like, "Hey, Ronaldo, you're not starting today." So you feel as though it's just a tough job, or do you feel that Ole's getting it wrong? What do you What are your thoughts on just why Why are you not having the results that you're looking for? I'm not an Ole out guy. I don't think he's good enough to do the job, though. But he's good enough to manage the players, not good enough besides for the tactic-wise because Carrick and the other backroom staff do more of the tactic work. But he's good with the players, but he's not going to get them to the next level, I don't think. So do you feel that it was more of Benitez outsmarting? Yes, 100%. I mean, you look at it like, yeah, we had 28 shots against Austinville last week, but there weren't well-made attacks, right? This game, we actually played better as a team, and that definitely needs to be mentioned because, like, you could see the plan. There was a plan there, and it just didn't work out. There were a couple of chances that a couple of headers Martial had, Cavani could have made, and it didn't happen. There was definitely a plan there, and James Sancho actually had a really good game this game after being outed by Southgate saying he didn't deserve to be in the England squad and that other people should be. Maybe that's going to help him play better. Maybe that's going to shoot him down more. But there's definitely flaws in the tactical game plan, and that definitely needs to change because when you have Klopp, you have Pep, you have Tuchel, you can te- you can tell the way they want to play and how they're going to play and where they're going to attack from, and when a certain person has the ball, what's going to happen next, you can tell. With us, like you kind of know they're going to either feed the ball to Bruno the first, the first pass is going to be from Matic or Fred, then to Pogba, then to Bruno, then outside to Shaw, then it's going to go back to Bruno, and then it's going to go back to Shaw, it's going to go to a winger, and then the winger's going to give it to Shaw, and then it's going to be a cross. Like, that's literally how it goes. Mm-hmm. But, like, the players that are ahead looking to gather the ball are just all over the place. And, and whenever one of the attacking team, the attacking players has the ball, not Bruno, not uh, a defender... There's going to be a skill move involved. There's going to be some time to f- find the yard space to get a shot off. It's not like we're going to look across to pass the ball. We're going to look to pass back and then move it again into the middle. It's Or it's just pass to the wing, try and get it across the box, or do a skill move and or just pass it backwards. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I agree with how you're feeling about everything. I understand your point of view with Ole and you're not being Ole out because I feel like that's everybody's default every time their team's not playing well. It's right. always out for their manager. We always did it for I get that. Not saying necessarily he needs to be out, but like you said, you're competing against the most high-quality managers in the league, and now that you've made these huge signings, these results have to come. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to have Ronaldo for long. You're not going to have Ron for long. 
Something's going to happen, have to happen sooner than later. If it's not this season, it has to be next season. So the pressure is immense, especially when you're playing for Man United or you're managing Man United. It's just that doesn't stop. The expectation doesn't stop. Giving kudos out to Rafa Benitez. That's always been my man ever since he's been at Liverpool. He's like, he's one of the original tactical geniuses of this century. He just shows time and time again what he could do with the team. And you know what? With the Everton team, I mean, they don't look like they're supposed to compete with top five, but they're doing it. They're doing it. I mean, they have their two biggest scores out and they're still pulling it off. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that just says something. The, The way Townsend just breaking out, like, Townsend's a journeyman. He was for Crystal Palace, and he did nothing. I mean, he had one goal, one amazing goal, blah, blah, blah. But now he's like a pivotal force for them. It's like, it's crazy. Even when he was way younger and he was on Spurs, he wasn't that important. Was he on Southampton too? He's been a little bit of everywhere. I, I think he was Spurs and Crystal from my memory. But he could have been. I feel like he was in Southampton for a little bit. But I don't want to get, I don't want to get lost in this. Yeah, he's had a couple of good games uh, I mean, previous but, years. Yeah. This year, he's really showing off. Every though. game, he's important. Yeah. I would never and, see that coming. Him and Damara Gray have been fantastic. Now, uh, how do you feel about the Jews? You, you mentioned that the Sir Alex Ferguson, his comments with Khabib. Some people are like looking too into it. Some aren't. I mean, my point of view is I really don't, don't care, look honestly. into it. No, I don't care. It's not a big deal. No. You know, he was just saying, you don't, you always start your best players. Yeah. Obviously, that's how he feels. But, I mean, it's not like a message to Ole or anything like that. I mean, that. I kind of agree. I feel like you got to start him. Like, if you really want to rest him, you know he's in the great physical shape. He had plenty of time to rest. He takes care of his body so he can play full games when he when he wants. Right. He takes care of his body, that's for sure. Ice bath twice, two times right after the game. You know what I mean? He's taking care of it. And I feel like you got to start him, figure it out, put him and Cavani in the same time. Right, you have to but start. Got to play. You have to start him. And if he can't handle it, then he'll he's tell not you the price tag. He'll tell you you'll see it, and then you manage. But you don't. You're trying to win the league. Klopp doesn't bench Salah, you know. Klopp doesn't bench Mane ever, ever, yeah, ever, yeah. Right when you don't Kevin, see when Kevin De Bruyne is fit, he plays. That's period. how it is. Uh, my last question to you for this game. Do you still feel Man United are going to stick with that second place at the end of the year? Not with that. Uh, we were talking earlier this, earlier last week, right? And I, I was looking at the fixture list, and I was like, no way. After I saw the fixture list, um, if you look at the Man United fixture list two times in the year, they have probably the hardest United fixture list I've ever seen, ever. Why like, I've been watching it for I don't even know how many years now, right? 21 years, basically. What makes it so difficult? The amount of games they have and who they're versing. I think it's like uh, in the beginning of this year. Actually, I could just we'll pull it up really quick because you got, you have to get this right. We get into October, the mid-October, and that's actually when it starts. It's literally their next match. So we start off with a poor form Leicester, right? So you say it's their Leicester home, right? But still, you know, they're still considered a top eight club, right? Then we have Atalanta. Then we have Liverpool after four days. Then we have Spurs in six days. Then we have Atlanta again in three more days. Then we have Man City three days after that. We get a little breather with Watford. We get 14-day break, international break, I assume. And then we have three days later, Villarreal. Five days later, Chelsea away. Two days after that, Arsenal. And then it calms down. We have that again later on in the year where we have Man City on March 5th, Man City home, Tottenham home, uh, uh, Man United home against Tottenham, Liverpool away seven days after, and then you have Leicester and then Everton home. Like, those are tough matches. Mm-hmm. Like You have to win five out of six on both of those to even be considered anything close to being champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what kind of makes this game so big. That one point, that right. two point difference. It's, it's like seven points dropped in the last three. Yeah, it's you can't really win like that. I feel like it's going to come back to bite, and that's why I was saying it's already biting. That's why I was saying in my predictions, I didn't want to put him that high because I feel like you're going to get a lot of hiccups. Right. You're going to have some weeks where they're going to look incredible, and they're going to blow out a team or two. 
And then you're just going to see the next week, and it's going to kind of not make sense again because it's jumbled up teams and jumbled up lineups. Yeah, and that and like that's when I was watching the Chelsea game, and I was like, this is going to be a tie. This is awesome because they're going to drop points. Right. But it's not a tie. Nope. So, yeah, so let's go on. So Chelsea-Southampton, they end 3-1 with Chelsea getting another three points. Doesn't help anybody else. Oh, bullshit. <clears throat> Sorry, just... I actually thought you coughed. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, they started off eight minutes in. Uh, Trevor Chalaba, the young, the youngin. Puts yeah. him in. He scores. That's it. I think he scored both games yeah, he played. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. So he puts it in on the corner. And then, getting interesting, James Ward-Prowse gets awarded the penalty, takes it, puts it home. Beautiful. That's in the second half. And then about 15 one, minutes one. after that. Yeah. After the that game's one almost one. over. 77th minute. Chelsea not looking good. They can't find the net. He makes a tackle on Jorginho on the top of Jorginho's box. Gets a yellow. Walks away. All of a sudden, VAR needs to be looked at. They look at VAR. Turns to a red. How do you feel? I think from my expression on my face, you know how I feel, but I guess people <laughs> can't see it. It's, it's a yellow. It's a harsh red. I know you may feel differently. It, 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 I could see it being, it's hard. I, I had two different points of view. Okay. Watching it just normal speed, like only seeing the play one time, no replays. I said, yellow. Good. We're done. I feel like the part where it went to VAR, it's like automatically just, yeah, everything looks worse in slow-mo, it, but it you, just puts your hand. If you look at the angle from the goalie's perspective, he literally just clips his ankle. With his studs. And yeah. it's so low. It's low. It's literally, like, on his ankle. The problem is, is that they're always just going to look at it, just rule book, which is the, studs up, but and it's it not makes even, contact with the, ankle. It's not studs up. Like They're kind of angled. They're kind of down. His foot is down. His leg isn't But up. the only thing that's going to make contact is the studs. So once they see studs up, and that's what I said. If it didn't go to VAR, I'd understand yellow. But once you, like, have to keep replaying it, and you have to watch the studs keep touching and touching I, and touching. It's like you can't not change it. I feel like if you have to keep rewinding it, because I think on the TV I saw it about 20 times. So they were, they were yeah. taking their time. I think if you need that long to figure it out, it's a yellow, right? And it's like to go to VAR, it's, they go to VAR for a serious foul play change of card. Like you go to VAR when it's a big error. It's not a big error. I was actually surprised they went to VAR. I was like, wait, what? Because Chelsea fixed the league. I was like, what? I mean, once it got to VAR, I was like, that's it. It, it has to be a yeah, red now. Give it. You would look like an idiot if you didn't change the call and you went through all of this VAR. I was really surprised that they even had to look at it because, like you said, you know, it it wasn't like a, a changing point in the game. Jorginho didn't get hurt. It was in his own half, yada, yada. But uh, I think your hands are tied once you start replaying that thing. You just got to have to go by the rule book on it. So, anyways, it puts the game on its head. Yes, made up rule book that they wrote that day. And right then, then and there. Timo Werner. He scores finally after eight Puts months. it away. Puts it away. You know what that's like? And I bet he celebrated. I didn't even watch. I turned the game off. Oh, he off. was so excited. You know what that's like? That's like that's like celebrating when you're beating like your, your nephew at like a video game <laughs> you're a pro at. That's what that's like. Well, he knows what that's like then. Well, actually, I think what even got him more excited is he got his first one taken away. Yeah, so, it was offsides. So... No, it wasn't offside. Oh, so he it? scores, right? It wasn't offside. So I pick, so I pick him up in fantasy that yeah. this, that morning because yeah. I'm like, ah, no, I just feel like he's gonna do it. He does it, celebrating, excited, and then they bring it back because the play initially started with Ashpilaiqueta making a foul. And I was like, oh, whoa, that's like so far back. Like, why did that turn into a debate now? That blew, that blew me away. I was like, wow, that's crazy. So that took away his first goal, and it was like, you know, that was his breather to finally say, I did it. So then when he finally got the second one, I think that's why he celebrated. It was just like, what a, what a break from finally yeah. actually getting a goal. What a professional refs. These, this Premier League has been awful. <laughs> the refs have been awful this year. It's been interesting, to say the least. Yeah, it's only been good for two teams. Now, Chilwell also, he tops it off with the third goal. This is Chilwell's what first a game, game, right? Told you he was coming back. He's coming back. 
Remember, why don't you tell them how you gave away Chilwell for? <laughs> we're not talking about that. We're not going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but like we said uh, last game week, I said that is I I, I said is this going to be the game where Marcus Alonso loses his spot? Yeah, I told you. He's it's, lose looking it. Like it. Yeah. it's looking Chilwell's like it. It's looking like it. Chilwell's here to stay. It's, it's looking better like it. defensively. It's and good for can, him. And he could, he's good on the attack. Mason Mount change was big. That changed their attack when they finally put Mason Mount in. Yeah, it's back from injury. I'd like to see more of him. But yeah, overall, I mean, I think if it wasn't for the red card, this could have easily been a stalemate. It would stalemate. be a tie. It could have easily been a stalemate. They were, South End were looking great after the goal. Uh, those mighty blues got lucky this game. Yeah. Let's I move on. It. Crystal Palace Leicester. Now that came with a guns blazing stalemate. 2-2. I love this Crystal Palace team. I like what Pietro Vieira is doing. Finally, we're seeing a Crystal Palace that's able to express itself more. And they're scoring goals. Yeah, they're they, doing it. They got a lot of 0-0 games in the in the in their past. I mean, they waited for being down 2 nothing to start scoring. They have but... strikers that score goals now. <laughs> they're not used to that. This is pretty awesome. They usually just have strikers that dribble down the edge of the box and then choke out Tanganga. That's about it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> But I think the bigger issue here, like all plaudits to Crystal Palace, but definitely the biggest, the bigger issue here is Leicester. This team is like usually second, third, fourth place at this part of the year. They're nowhere near that right now. I know, I know a lot of the teams are pretty close in the mid table, but their team is not playing well at all. There's defensive issues. Uh, they're really missing Johnny Evans. Soyonchu is not having a good time. Obviously, they have Ricardo Pereira on the, as a right back. Left back, there's still the injuries going on. Madison is nowhere to be found. Well, he finally came off the bench for that game. Well, he's but it was a little too late. Yeah, I mean... He's, I'm surprised. He's having a terrible time this year. No assists, um, no goals. Do you think he's leaving? Barely any contribution. Well, there was word of him going to Arsenal during the summer, and nothing fell through. And... I think that would actually would have been a great move for Arsenal if he was going to be in form. But at the end of the last year, he was also in poor form. He barely had any assists. I think maybe he had one in the last six games. Wasn't scoring. Tielemans has taken over uh, free kicks, dead ball situations. And he's Tielemans is providing better contributions this year, even better than last year. And um, Marty obviously is still scoring. Yep. At the age of 34, I want to say. He's old. He's up there, um, and he's still being a contender for the Golden Boot race. Yeah, he's just something special for the whole Premier League. He's currently top Premier top uh, top world loot guy with uh, Mosala. Yeah, on six, and uh, he's the thing that's keeping that team alive. But you think people are getting bored of Brendan Rodgers? Maybe the players are getting bored of Brendan Rodgers. You think just the team needs to find its shape again? Obviously, there's people missing. Yeah, no, I don't think they're getting bored of him. I mean. I've had the experience of having Brendan Rodgers as, as a Liverpool manager. And, you know, when we had him, I was very happy. He's someone that he's not perfect. He will mess up on certain things, but he comes back and fixes those things. I think it's just the whole team together needs to just kind of pull through. Like, for instance, last year towards the end, the pivotal player was Ihianacho. He hasn't seen much playing time at all. He scored last week. He finally gets to start this week. Yeah. You know, and he scores. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's part of it. They also made signing of Pat Sandaka. He hasn't seen the pitch at all. And, you know, he's coming there to score goals. Right. So he's not getting opportunity. They signed Lookman, too. He plays, at least. He plays. He still has a lot to work out. Yeah. You know, he's no Damari Gray. No. Um, And, you know, uh, Bubakari, Sumari, Sumari. Bubakari, the uh, the midfielder they got from League On, he's getting the most playing time out of the new signings, but he's still even accommodating. So I think it's just a team that maybe bit more than they can chew in the transfer market, and they haven't been able to develop those guys yet to be significant pieces. So until that happens, then they will be you know a lot stronger of force. Just so you know, if you don't know who Bubakari Shimari is, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> Say that five times fast. <laughs> I bet you I didn't even get his name right. I'm gonna order that order that my nearest halal car. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and then you know, like you said, flipping the script to Crystal Palace, uh, Michael Olise. Have you heard of him? 
I saw his name on the goal sheet. Yeah. But I have no idea who he is. Yeah, so actually, he's their new signing for Crystal. Um, he is 19. I like and that. And the only team he's played for is uh, Reading. Okay. Very interesting. In 37 games, he's had seven seven goals and 12 assists. That was for Reading. That's really good. Apparently, he was like doing really well. Uh, and then they snapped him up, and they've been talking about him, talking about him. You haven't seen him. He finally comes on, and then boom, he makes automatic change to the team. And then Jeffrey Schlupp, another great move by Patrick Vieira. Both his subs score. Uh, Schlupp scores, I think, in 25 seconds wow. of being on the pitch. So, That's yeah, it took a lot of deflections and all that stuff, but he just stayed where he needed to be, and he put it away. And then that gets him the, the one point. That gives him the 2-2. Two, two. I think that was very tactical of Vieira. Uh, I think he's come a long way. You know, he started uh, NYCFC, then he went to Nice, and now Crystal Palace. So this is only his third team, and it hasn't been many seasons for him to really learn. Crystal Palace is looking kind of safe right now. I think they're a little away from relegation. I don't think we're going to have to worry about them with relegation. I think they'll always hover... Somewhere in the lower mid-table. You know, just kudos to Vieira. I feel like he's one of those managers. You know, you see a lot of these legendary players trying to always be a manager. And it's not really as easy as you think. I mean, Ronald Koeman is a perfect example. And, you know, you have Overmars, etc. Mikel Arteta. I think Mikel Arteta is not doing bad. uh, He was given a tough I would say from what Patrick Vieira has showed... Out of all of them so far, he's impressing me the most. But who has the FA Cup? That's okay. Give him some time. Mikel Arteta has the FA Cup. That's true. He'd be, For a team like Arsenal, he'd be, I hope he has an FA Cup. He'd be tough teams to go in it. Yeah, look, I mean, look, he obviously still has the job because he's doing good. But, yeah, just kudos. I think, it was, uh, I think it was great tactically. And, you know, Leicester's not the team they were last year yet, but they're not blowing their games out. Mm-hmm. So if they still pick up their point. So as much as you give Crystal Palace kudos, you got to equally give it to Leicester as of right now. And let's say what they have to bring. I want to also talk about the Wolves-Newcastle game, right? Uh, that ended 2-1. Two teams that were struggling. I mean, yeah, they, no, they, have they, been. they score every game almost, but they don't get the result. They don't get the result. And tell me who got the brace, my friend. Huang. Huang He Chan. Yeah. So we talked about him last great time. Great first goal, by the way. Yeah. Great first home goal. Honestly, both of them were great. Yeah. So he's really proven to, you know, be taking the part. And uh, he's becoming another successful, hopefully, another successful South Korean player in Prem. Yeah, he's doing really good. He's taking a good spot for Pedro Neto. And actually, the whole Wolves attack is nice and fresh. And uh, now with Raul Jimenez on the score sheet from the previous game. Um, that could be a really fluid attack. He just needs to figure out the midfield and the defense. The defense is a little easier. I think he's kind of stuck with Markel, uh, Cody, and the usual group. And But the midfield... You have, that's... To, be, you have to be fancy. You have to say Marsal. Oh, sorry. Marsal. Okay. And uh, it can't be like Cody. You think Cody calls him Markel? <laughs> I think he calls him Marsal. We'll see about that. <laughs> I'll find the clip. But uh, the midfield is what needs working on. Um, obviously, it's an aging midfield, and they don't have that much speed in that midfield. They have no speed. <laughs> it's all passing. <laughs> they have no speed. It just brains and passing. Um, so I, I kind of feel like that's where that team goes wrong. And, you know, Cass <laughs> don't really have the brightest midfield either. Yeah. So they were able to really win this one. But Hen- Hendrick's goal. Not was, too shabby. It was awesome. Not too it was shabby. A good outside goal. Good for I didn't expect it, honestly. I think I've heard of Hendrick as much as Bubu Bukhari Shumari, so I mean, you know, good for him. Yeah, I still don't know who Bubu Bukhari Shumari is. <laughs> I've looked that up after this. The question to you is, uh, you know, we we touched upon Juan He Chan. Do you think he's going to end up being a bigger impact than you were anticipating? Because uh, honestly, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't anticipating he was going to be I didn't think so either. He's got three goals now, right? Uh-huh. And... That's a good amount for the amount of time, the amount of minutes he's in. So yeah, I definitely think he'll be a big impact because he's good with the ball on his feet and he's pretty quick. Yeah, and he looks he he's got size to him. Like I I, I love really looked at him last game and he's fast. Yeah, he's he's fast and he's 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 built differently than you know normal human Asian outlook. Like he's got the good arms and he's got a wider chest than most Asians, so he can. 
You can do stuff. Like you had Jisung Park and Shinji, and they were tiny. Like they were tiny. They were very compressed bodies and everything like that. The quick legs, obviously, but well, they, fun they, didn't, they didn't have that. Uh, so fun that fact: power. Juan He is actually the 14th South Korean player to play in the Prem. Ooh, and the number the first one to ever play in the Prem was Jisung Park. Really? Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. Uh, recently, Jisung Park, side note, uh, told fans to stop singing a song because back in that time, there was about eating dogs. Really? Uh, yeah, because back then they used to eat dogs, but now in South Korea, they don't eat dogs. So he thinks. Well, he just mentioned that recently? Yeah, he just mentioned that recently. Um, he just did an interview with uh, MUTV, and uh, he was like, I'd rather the fans not sing my song Good. because um, they sang it at the Man United Wolves game. And he's like, you know, these young South Koreans, they don't understand that it's like a joke or like, you know, back then it was a thing, but now yeah. it's not a thing. And now people look down upon it in South Korea. They don't do it. Which anymore. is understandable. Right. Yeah, so yeah. he's like, it's the kind of like an insult. Now. Yeah, definitely. So he's like, definitely, you know, let's calm that down a little All right, bit. Good for him. Good for him. Um, let's mention the giant news because oh. we waited a little time to do the podcast. Yeah. So we get to get this news this morning. Yeah. It's big news. Whoa. Like 500 million plus news. Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed to happen last year. It happened this year. I'm Castle nervous. We're bought by a, another Saudi of the name of, I don't know. I'm going to say it's Bobokomi Samari. <laughs> See you later. But you know, like, you, you, this happened before. People forget. QPR was bought by a very, very rich man. Where's QPR? You know what I mean? It takes, I guess. It takes a long time. People like uh, they make the memes and Mbappe, Holland, fighting for the penalty. It's never going to happen. Uh, no, understood. Uh, you know, it, it, it only gets me nervous because... It, usually with takeovers, if it happens to a team with like a big past, a big history, then they like have that extra edge to want to come back and it actually attracts some players. And Newcastle used to be a big force and it's like, are they trying to actually bring this team back like that? Because I mean, you're not going to do that big of a takeover and do nothing. I'm thinking right now and... So in 2008, Man City were bought, and they hadn't won their. They took them three years to win their first title, 2011. Right, and, and before they, that, they didn't even win since 1967. So at that point, they had an okay team. Um, they had some like talking about the takeover. No, I'm taking before they were taken over. Um, so in like 2007, to 2007. So they had an okay team, um, medium tier players. Obviously, not the best. Um, but then 2008 comes and obviously the Man City project is probably one of the greatest soccer projects of all time. What they've built and done with the club, the ground is amazing. Um, everything that they've done is amazing and they got the best coaches and they've been buying the best players. But when you, when they first start out, they got a good coach, right? It always starts out with the coach. They had some Key signings. They had Rubinho. They had uh, Mika Richards, who was young at the time. David Silva. David Silva. Jesus Navas at the time, yeah. right? Uh, Yaya Torre came in later. Yeah, so pretty much the point we're driving home is big change from TakeOver. It's going to be different, though, with, Man uh, with Newcastle. That's the point I wanted to make. Okay. It's going to be different. Newcastle is on a different level. They were, they're on their way... They were on their way out of the Premier League. Like every year, they're clinging, they're grasping, they're you know they're clawing just to stay inside. And this year was a year that they probably could have got relegated. They don't have the same type of team Man City does. Do they have the same type of land? And do the new owners want to do the same thing that Man City did? Possibly, right? You don't you don't know this. Obviously, the debt is different. All the money is different. The players that they're going to bring in is different. And yeah, Man City didn't have the biggest fan base. And look at where they are now. Like, yeah, they have a bigger fan base. And they were able to create this for a team that isn't as well-known as Newcastle. So right. that's probably the big difference here is whether, you know, people will be like, oh, you know, I want to play for Newcastle. You know, I want to recreate this 
big history for them again. Because again, Newcastle had the best striker of all of all time for the. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? You know so like, mean? you already have this big fan base for Newcastle. Great, great fans. Great, great fans. It's probably the biggest fan base, like out of any of the mid-table teams. Yeah. Right. So I mean, there you go. Like money's already coming in from that. You're having a takeover if they make some serious signings. You know, it could be like that Man City effect where all the new kids want to jump on board and follow this team and etc. So players that are skilled that want more money can come. That's right. what I that's what I can see happening. I think they'll be approaching the top six in five years. I, I think this is a long term project. Of so, course. In five years, I want to say they'll approach the top six. Look, if I'm taking over that team, I'm going to automatically say, hey, I want to make this team around ASM and Joe Willock. They're the young boys that have extreme talent, but they need help, right? There's so much you could do with that. There's so much you could do. Next, Who knows? Next, maybe maybe yeah. you buy maybe you buy Oates and Edward off Crystal Palace, and then you bring him in to help ASM out. Maybe you pull Rafinha into the team. Who knows? Maybe you try and attract more of the dribblers in the Prem. You know, some people that are young but are established. I mean, there's a lot you could do with that project. So I'm saying I'm worried because I feel like they're going to take away signings from bigger teams. You know, not the Boppies and the Hollands, but let's say you're looking for that mid-tier player or that extra man that you really need to bolster your midfield depth. Like a Van de stolen. Like a Van de Beek. Maybe. Or like... Um, how like Dusan Tadic first joined when in mm-hmm. Southampton, you know how he was like, such a big force. Maybe him being such a big force, boom, he gets snapped up right away. You know, Zayech. How cool would be Zayech on Newcastle? Yeah. So these are these are the kind of players that could easily go. ASM on the left, Zayech on the right, Van de Beek in the middle. It's kind of a cool team. Give right? home, give yeah. Van de Beek a home. Kind of a cool team. Yeah, I mean, so you know, they could attract the right pieces and make something good. They could attract the big coach. Who knows? I think they definitely could attract a big coach. That's something I think any manager would kind of want to be a part of. Because then right. you can have a big budget. You already got the fan base. Obviously, there's pressure. But, like, what a cool project that is. And just to be around all that. Yeah. And maybe they Who can knows? sell around you. What if they pay so well that they get Nagelsmann? Maybe Conte hits his head really hard. Winds up going to a, a doctor in England that does head surgery kind of stuff. Wakes up from the hospital bed, finds himself in Newcastle, thinks it's Juventus, signs for Newcastle. Same colors. Same colors. First signing, Bubakari Sumar. There you go. Perfect. This is playing out. (laughs) (laughs) And let's get to the biggest part I've been waiting to talk about. The Clash of the Titans, Liverpool, City, probably game of the season thus far. Yeah, that or the Brentford-Liverpool game. Those have been definitely two solid ones, I got to say. Commonality, Liverpool, just saying. Commonality, let goes in. <laughs> Liverpool time. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, I mean, crazy game. You know, I'm watching that first half, and, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, it wasn't really fun to watch because it was a lot of us bracing ourselves for City. You know, at first we were coming out strong. And then we had to kind of brace ourselves as City was coming on and attacking. Gabriel Jesus was looking great. Foden was looking great. Foden was looking good, too. And, you know, but it could have went either way. We gave a few jabs. They gave a few jabs. First half to kick your ass. Let's be honest here. First half. Yeah, but it wasn't one of those where I'm oh, like, oh, it should no, be one nothing no. at halftime. So it should have been 2 nothing at halftime. Nah. If they score in the first half, the game completely different. You guys definitely lose. Hundred yeah, percent. If, if, if. No, no, you gotta we're take the fine. bias out of here. No, we're you gotta fine. take the bias out of here. They were kicking your ass in the first half, and you go to the halftime. Klopp yells at you in German, whatever he does. You come out, and then you take it to them. That's right. That's exactly what happens. Salah scores. Well, Mane scores. Well, Mane first. scores first from Salah. From Salah. Oh, I love that guy. Good goal. Great setup by Salah. Good goal. And then Foden, even better goal, definitely should have been saved. Well, here's the problem, right? So I'm watching the first half, watching the first half. 
the big glaring problem in Foden your scored face. First, right? Yeah, uh, Foden scored Mane, then Foden, then Salah. Yeah. yeah. So the glor- the glaring problem with the lineup for Liverpool was mm, James Milner starting, Trent on the bench. Kind of worried about that. Trent's not fully fit. I know I understand, but I'm just simply looking at that. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, James Milner's my he's he's our rock. He's been there forever, you know, through thick and thin, all that good stuff. And he's a gritty guy, and he gets into everything. But in a big game like this, when you're playing, like, the top of the top, you could tell he just wasn't cutting it. And you could tell they were feeding the ball always to the left. They were Mm -hmm. always giving a, you know, uh, switching the ball all the way across the pitch. Whether it was Jesus that all of a sudden uh, slides to the left side or Foden, it was like one of those where this is bound to get scored on. Well, if you put Trent there, the same plan is still that. It's still the same plan. I understand the same plan is there, but what I'm saying is James Milner is there as a rock. Like he's just there right. to pr- try and prevent the goal. Mm-hmm. But if you have Trent there, A, he's faster. B, He's going to give you more attacking. So now you can't just have Foden just hang out where he was hanging out. Right. He's going to have to track back. He didn't need to do that. His job was made easy. I just have to make sure I keep bringing it mm-hmm. to James Milner. So that was the problem is that James Milner is not going to give you any of that pressure. He's going to just try his best to, you know, prevent you from scoring. But James Milner is also not going to push up as much. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think that was our big problem. And I was looking at that and I was like, if we don't take James Milner out, we're probably going to concede from that left side. And, you know, unfortunately, that's what happens. He did a good job taking Jota out. Jota wasn't as effective. He puts Firmino. Firmino opens up some play like he always does. Mm -hmm. I thought that was brilliant. Like we said, the Milner was the weak point for us. And then, man, the solid goal. No, I'm not letting you do this. I'm not letting you do this. Please? No. All right, then what do you want me to do? You've got a sidetrack. Milner should be off. Correct. For this game, he should be off. I need you to state that because even in the extended highlights and all the highlights of the game, they don't show this foul. <laughs> they don't show it. They just Leave, go to the solid goal. Leave Miller we're not, alone. We're not going to that. <laughs> yeah, look, like I said, I mean, Milner is just put in a position. Like, he, he's great, but he's not for those There could have been a possible penalty mm-hmm. on Foden in the first half, I believe it was. Okay. Where he clips him on the outside, but then clips him again inside the box. Uh And then in the second half, he holds his leg there and crushes Bernardo Silva. I mean, the the man's head hits the the grass first. James Milner gives up on nobody. And there's nothing, nothing, not even a call. Yeah, I mean, I think it was honestly just one of those like super intense games where you you let him battle it out because there's a lot of intensity and in, you can't in let him battle out. It's not what's the, it's the rule. What's the rule? It's a yellow. It then it turns to a red. No, what's the rule? Only if James Ward Prowse does it. No, it's a yellow. It should have been red. But regardless, then the ball comes through Milner zone to Salah, and you may continue. Yeah. So my favorite part. I mean, do you think wow. it's the best goal of the season? Uh, do you think it's his best goal ever? First of all, no. Best goal ever? No. I think that's his best goal ever. Oh, by best goal, you mean like technically or situation? Just best goal. Nah. His Chelsea goal was absolutely insane. What was the Chelsea goal? That was the one where he ripped it from the right side like 35 yards out. No, I think this is better. (sighs) I can't. Nah, that Chelsea goal was wild. And even like with the dribbling technique, his goal against Spurs was also crazy. I remember that one. So, no, I mean, look, is this one of his top five goals? Sure. You know? It was incredible what he did. You know, he receives the ball with his back to the net. He takes on three guys in that instance. It was Silva, Foden, Rodri. Mm -hmm. Takes on all three of them. Breaks through them. Now you got, what was it, Laporte, Diaz, and Cancelo. Yeah. Gives a body feint, gets through them, and then he uses his weak foot and puts it across net. Mm -hmm. So, you know, add Ederson into the body count on that, and that's seven seven players taken on. De Gea saves both goals by Foden and Salah, by the way. We're not talking about De Gea. We're just running out of it. But you continue. But yeah, I mean, honestly, incredible. Yeah, when he scored that, amazing. the first thing it that came amazing. to my head, you came to my head automatically, and I was like, give that man 500000 <laughs> $500, a week. He needs it. Yeah, so I'm going to bring that up. Go ahead. So, uh, again, we talk about it. Salah wants to be the highest paid player in the Premier League, uh-huh. more than Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Right? 
Uh, currently, he is the second highest paid Liverpool player behind Van Dyke, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 30 years of age. Right. And he wants a big contract. Right. Now, we're going to go off of who are the top players in form right now in the world. Okay. You put Salah on that list. Of course. I don't think that's an opinion. Top three? Yes. Do you think he's number one? Mm, that's always hard to say. I think, he, gonna... I think he might be number one. I don't know, man. I just like... I guess when you're talking about four... I, I don't, I don't want to make this that, season, that this, big. This starting season. You could just do in season. You're talking about Prem or the entire world? Our world right now. Obviously, you got Lewandowski. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you're talking about Lewandowski right now. He's just... Everyone always overlooks that guy. You can put in a thousand goals and people are like, hey, he's great. Number three. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, poor guy, you know. Man scored, man scored five goals in like third, 29 minutes. <laughs> and, you know, the key word that you're using is form. So, that automatically takes Messi and Ronaldo this year. finally out, you know. I mean, because we're talking about form. We're not talking about the actual player itself. Ronaldo still scored what five goals this season, three goals this season. But regardless, you know, regardless. obviously he has better form. I mean, you could even say Jamie Vardy has one of the top forms right now. No, no. A, a guy I hate, and I don't really want to bring him up, but Kareem Benzema right now, his form That's is actually true. crazy. Very true. Very true. You know, Holland's form is crazy. I, I, I'll go top three. I'll give him number three. I, I, I can do I three. Forgot about it's, I forgot about Benzema. It's Benzema's, too hard. Benzema's got to be number one. It's right too now. hard for me to say one, but I give you top three. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. now, so then we'll look at this transfer window, and we'll go with Jack Grealish. Okay, hundred mil. Yeah, he's young. Mm-hmm. So obviously, there's potential there, and he's a creator. So usually, creators sometimes get paid more than goal scorers at a, at a later age. If Jack Relish is 100 mil, what's a guy worth that's been basically a golden boot winner the last four years? 300 mil. Right? So, well, now we're going to talk about FSG. What is? What do you think FSG is going to do? you think he's going to give him the contract for the 300K plus a week? I think they're going to try and budget as close down as they can. But I don't think they're going to not give him a raise. It can't be anywhere in the 200. He's not going to want it. No, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, if it's in like, I mean, obviously, I don't know what he's looking for, but you know, he says, for, he says five, for, but let's say he could take three. He's looking um, for a three, 350. I'm sure they'll give him three, 350. Probably five, is, five is pretty high. But you got to remember, he's 30. But he deserves it. It doesn't matter. This is a business. Agreed. It's not whether you deserve it or not. Yeah, but then what are you going to do? You're not going to pay him and lose him? You know, you have to think about that. I mean, that's what the Red so that's what they do with the Red Sox. I understand, but with Liverpool, it's always been Mane Salah, Mane Salah. It doesn't matter what you do. Well, and Firmino, but Firmino's being shown he may be replaceable. What happened to Coutinho? What happened to Torres? Yeah, it's understand. Well, that's also kind of interesting. I mean, Torres went when FSG took over. It was the year mm-hmm. after, so I I can't really say. He also got injured in the World Cup that summer. So there was reasons he could have went. So that's okay. Suarez going. Suarez. Same business. Yeah. You know, FSG were actually the reason they signed him. Uh, he was one of the signings from one of their first year because FSG took over in uh, 08. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, in uh, 11. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, they bought in Suarez. But Suarez is like looking for more, looking for more. Understood. You have to go. And he becomes... Legendary, you know, he's one of the well, most world class strikers. He's his prime. One of the most yeah. world class strikers of all time, and that team we had can't handle a guy like isn't Suarez. It, isn't it about keeping those guys and building a team around them? No, I understand. You know, I feel like the team is in totally different places right now. You know, you you try and look at trends and patterns, and you try and say, oh, well, FSG did this then, so they must do this now, or they value this then and value this now. But to be honest, I mean. Watching Liverpool, like I said, I was picking up like kind of from 07 and on, and I got to see like how crazy it was having Gillette as a manager, as the owner. Mm-hmm. Gillette was terrible, like just disgusting to have. You know, him and his partner, uh, Werner, they, they were horrid. They were reasons I, I remember watching, and we were like in seventh place, and we had to get rid of guys like the, the year they left, right? Gillette and, and Werner got rid of. Chabi Alonso, Arbeloa, Sammy Hypia. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Then the next year, 
we lose Mascherano to Barcelona. I mean, think about what all those guys have turned into. Well, Liverpool at that time were like, they weren't the highest quality team. So they're like, hey, we're going to go here. Great fans, big club, stepping stone kind of club. Yeah, but they were like rinsing the, and repeating it. Like they were literally a business. Like, oh, Chabi Alonso's doing good. Real Madrid wants X. Done. Take them. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, like they've they, been doing they this. They didn't hesitate. They've been doing this. Yeah, but think about the Liverpool team and let's say ever since Klopp has been here. But think about how. Yeah, exactly. Think about the Liverpool team. Yeah, since Klopp there's has been no, here. There was no major big signing. The major big signing was Salah. Correct. For 35 million, right? 30, Correct. 35, 39 million. And Allison. A uh, goalie. Doesn't, just disregard. Okay. Just a goalie. Um, that's your big player, right? Thirty-five million. Uh, that was that was an okay amount back then. It's a bargain. Then we splash Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My point being is that they're not following the the similar. Pattern. I think they are. Why? I think it's different because now it's a this team doesn't have the big, big, big superstar uh, striker or forward on this team or midfielder. It is now a unit. It's different. You look at that team and you go, wow, without this guy, you know, they're going to be garbage or whatever. What team team are you looking at? Say Liverpool. You can't say that with that team. Like, they can plug in, say, Yota for Mane, he'll fill the role. You know, you plug in. I'm sure Yota can 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 plug in for, uh, for Salah as well. I think Yota can plug in for Salah as well. And uh, he's already plugging in for Mino well. Like, this team is a unit. This team isn't like Suarez makes the goals or, you know, Torres makes the goals or Xavi Alonso's the big feeder. Coutinho's the guy that creates. There's This team, I feel like they should all be paid the same. Well, I'm going to rebuttal you with two things quick. One, go back to what we said about Ronaldo starting. Yeah. And you said... You don't get to see a game where Mane and Salah don't start. Right. Do you get to see a game where Firmino doesn't? Yes. Jota? Yes. But... All the midfield? Yes. I'm going to tell you this. Bringing it back to what I'm saying. You put Salah or Mane in another team, I don't think they're doing as good. And I'm going to say and, it. And that's okay. I, I, could that's, par- that's, I could partially agree with you, but that's, that's my extra point there, too, is... They are, yes, we are a unit. Substantial to your team. They're like, without them, there is no unit. I you will not have an you don't, you Now you're saying so. Now, So now you're on the side of, we have to keep Salah. There's no way we sell him and we plug in the gap with someone new and young. Yeah, and I remember me saying that too. And it's just, now that I'm watching, I'm like, man, it's just, I just can't see it now. It's like, without those two guys, I mean, that's just everything, you know? I, they're just so substantial that you have to pay them. And like I said, the the pattern I see now is with Klopp. Klopp signings are just re-signing. And yeah. that's amazing. And I love that about him. He doesn't care about big signings. He cares about keeping his players. And that's something that Liverpool has never done. Except, you know, Stevie G. You right. know, or back in the day stuff. But it, it, since 2009, we don't do that. You know, we get Luis Suarez for a few years. Thank you. Thank you, Luis Suarez. You can go. Coutinho, thanks, Coutinho. You can go. Torres, same thing. You know, it's a rinse-repeat. Like, the players end up outgrowing us, and they so have to go. when do you get rid of them? When do you get rid of this Klopp team? That's the thing. You know, the biggest part about Klopp coming to this team, he's, you know, when you're going to look back at this in, like, 20, 30 years, he's going to be maybe... Th- you know, Bill Shankly, okay, respect. But to par, best manager we've ever had in history? Possible. Yeah, definitely possible. Possible, because he's making a dynasty. He's not making mm-hmm. He's not making a, one team. You know, he's making a dynasty. So he's, you think he's going to make... Right now, it's a dynasty. No, right now, it's a dynasty. Right. It's this team. You think Correct. he goes on another couple of years... And makes another team? I don't think so. I think he slowly brings in more pieces. He slowly progresses those younger guys. You look at Curtis Jones, where he might be in five, ten years from now. I mean, he's already incredible. 
Unfortunately, him getting injured, Harvey Elliott is supposed to be huge. I mean, he was holding his own. There are some guys in this team that are still young that you're not even thinking about, like Joe Gomez is still young. Trent is still young. You know, Tsimikas, he might be something a lot bigger. I mean, look, we got Robinson from Hull. So what's Tsimikas coming from Olympiacos? You know, he could be something way bigger than you think. Jota, he still has way more time to grow. So it's okay for me, no goes. The trick is who you're going to get for these wingers. And And the center mids. The center mids, Henderson is going to be the hardest to go because of his personality and that presence. That's what you're going to have to replace. But the point I'm, I'm trying to make now is this next transfer window is huge because because we have so much momentum and we're so big, we need to make that huge attacking signing in case Salah or Mane end up having to go soon. Because that's eventually going to be inevitable. Mane resigned. I'm saying, even if Salah resigns as well, how many more years are we truly going to have? When's so, the last time you saw Liverpool... Purchase more than one player in the transfer window. Not many. That's why I say yeah. we at least need to grab one from now. You can't. You have to pay for Salah. Yeah. I mean, look, if, we, if we Sa- haven't been splashing either. So, I mean. I think if Salah <laughs> wants whatever, $300,000, $350,000 a week for, say, four years, it's going to equate to something like $70 million. Uh, understood. That's signing. Yeah, yeah, understood. No, no, no. 100%. But, you know, if you could watch the other top five teams signing, you know, Lukaku, Ronaldo, Veron, you know, like, they're, they're splashing cash. Yeah. And we're sitting here and we're like, yeah, we got Konate. We must have so much money saved up. So Where is it we're all? saving it. Yeah. So Where? there's got to be something coming. You know what I mean? There's got to be. And if there isn't, then you're going to start hearing. Incoming stadium renovations. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I, I think this next uh, summer window is going to be the tall tale of where the future is going to be. Yeah, I can't wait to see the beer dispenser you're going to have. Like, it's it's going to be, be so huge. Oh, going to taste so good <laughs> after the next championship. <laughs> Brighton Arsenal, that was a 0-0 draw. Right. And uh, the Brighton boys stay strong. Brighton were actually dominating this game. And uh, Potter was like, that's the best you're going to get. Yeah, zero, zero. <laughs> He's like, that's, that's the best we're ever going to play right there. I love it. And uh, they wound up not being able to score. But Brighton have been still on fire. Like, they were in the top ten. Shane Duffy, man. That whole team is solid. Like, hey, obviously, they need a better striker to come in. Neil Maupai, we, you know, we love him. He's He's got the banner. He's He's got laughs. He's like, he doesn't mind spoiling the fun. But they just need a better attack. But they're they have been t- attacking a lot, and Arsenal got controlled by Brighton mm-hmm. again. Though Arsenal have only let in two goals in the last five games. Mm-hmm. That's a great stat for Arsenal. Good job. <laughs> no, only one red card as well. Love it. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's something. I mean, they're not really pulling up the points they're supposed to, but I guess it's a positive. All right, I get it. It's not Liverpool. Let's move on to the next game. Uh, Crystal Palace. No, we moved in that one. Uh, Spurs 2, Villa 1. Still no goals for Harry Kane. Yeah. And that's all she wrote. All right. Last damn one. Brentford 2. Brentford. This is, we got to get Brentford jerseys. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Roll it back, roll it back, roll it back. What do you want to talk about? The Spurs, they did well. Youngman's son, man. They did well. Kane didn't score. No one cares. <laughs> no one wants to hear about it. They bounced back. That's good. That's a great game. Did Dele Alley play? <laughs> Stop looking at him. Stop looking at him. Okay, he didn't play. Yeah, you know what? Spurs get a lot of time. So move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brentford, man. I mean, just wow. Yeah. They like, it's no longer like a Brighton thing. Like, no, this, this is, is Brentford. This like, is Brentford. Is, I like them. This is They're crazy. spicy. Like, they're not afraid to attack. They got the classic style team. They're not afraid to be aggressive. They have Wisa. You know, he just likes to meditate came off, after he scores. He came off and scored a winning goal. Yeah. Two important goals. The one against Liverpool and now this one. And, you know, Buemo gets another goal for another week. It's looking nice. They have a good team. I like it a lot. I might pick them up on FIFA career mode. I was uh, I was uh, listening to about uh, Sergi Canos, you know, the Spaniard right winger uh, that plays for Brentford. He was talking about, I don't know if you know, actually, he played for Liverpool for a really short stint. I think you told me this. 
So um, he said when he came to the Premier League and he played for... So he was part of La Masia in mm-hmm. Barcelona when yeah. he was a kid. Fantastic. Did you have to say that in French? No, I had to say it in Spanish. Oh. Barcelona, sorry. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was completely erasing the C. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, you know, he plays great for La Masia. And then Liverpool come knocking. And he said he was happy for his Liverpool uh, stint because it taught him how strong and aggressive the Premier League is. And he said, you know, I was in the locker room and, you know, I was during training and all of a sudden my teammates are lifting weights. And he's like, what is that? Like, I've never had teammates lifting weights. Like, that's not something we do in Spain. So it's like, it goes to show, like, he's had a lot of change to his game. He was the one that scored the debut goal for Brentford being in the Premier League. So it's just this group of players that are just growing together and they're just they're ready for this you know uh just congratulations i wish amazon was filming them instead of arsenal i would love to watch that yeah that'd have been awesome i would even watch it just wisa <laughs> daily life of wisa <laughs> just coming off the bench and scoring just great great so that'll do it guys thanks again for listening to above the pitch on game week seven and we have international break now so you'll hear from us in a bit Caw-caw.